So welcome to the summer special episode of Drill to Detail and I'm your host Mark Ritman. I'm very pleased to be joined today sitting on the virtual beach drinking a virtual cocktail by none other than Cameron Lackpore who many of you will know from the S-Base world and from the Oracle Development Tools user group. So welcome to the show Cameron, pull up a virtual deck chair and why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure. Um, so as Mark said, uh, I'm Cameron, Cameron Lackpore. Um, I have been in the S-Base space since 1993. Um, before that, I was I used a tool called ComShare System W, which was sort of a multi-dimensional predecessor to S-Base. Uh, since 93, I have worked for myself with a couple of stints of working for other companies, but you know, back back to myself again, um, doing S-Base implementations, uh, doing Hyperion planning, planning a budgeting tool that's wrapped around uh, S-Base, as well as some data integration work that, again, feeds S-Base and planning for an awfully long time. Sometimes uh, I say to myself, good grief, can't you get out of this rut? You seem to do the same thing again and again. <laughs> I still enjoy it. Um, I'm still at it. Uh, with, with luck, I'll be able to retire with it. Excellent. And so, Cameron, we know each other through the user group scene as well. So just tell us a little bit very briefly about what you do with user groups and uh, how we met through the ODTUG group. So uh, yeah, we met I think in 2010. Um, I knew, knew of you. I'd never I'd never had met you. Uh, we were both on the board of um, OD Tug at the time. Uh, I was on the board of directors for six years. I term limited out. I'm I'm very happy to say that I was the one who championed term limits. We didn't used to have them, um, but now you can't stick around forever. It's, I think it's a good thing. Um, OD Tug is a fantastic organization. It's one of uh, the big. Oracle uh, user groups in the States, really ODTUG's international, although I guess it's it's sort of North America focused because of because of proximity to where most of the developers are. It is a technical user group. Um, it is just fantastic. It's, it's absolutely transformed my life. I mean, meeting you was one of the things, meeting all the people that I'd known online for years and years was another part of the thing. Um, not having it be a vendor-based um, conference. Hyperion was the, the company that was acquired by Oracle. That's where S-Base came from. Their, present, their conferences were fine, but they were sales conferences with some technical stuff mixed in on the side. ODTUG's not like that at all with its K-Scope conference. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, so through, through K-Scope, I met the people that I work with and call colleagues, even though they're literally all over the world. It's a fantastic group. Yeah, it's great. I mean, so so the reason I wanted to get you on the on, on the show was we had we've had quite a lot of kind of discussion about about OLAP um, in the last um, few episodes, and um, it would be interesting to get you on to talk about Space because um, you know, in a way, Space is the OLAP server that, that you know won the OLAP wars, and um, you've been very closely associated with with Space over over the years. That's how I've known you. And um, so, you know, back last year we had um, my old boss uh, Graham Spicer um, on the show. I'm talking about Oracle Express and the OLAP option, um, which obviously for many years was, was a competitor to, to S-Base and then both in the end ended up in the Oracle um, world. And then we had more recently, we had Chris Webb, who was a, a bit like you, an independent consultant, but working with analysis services. And then we actually had Donald Farmer, a real kind of a real um, treat for me, actually. We had Donald Farmer on the show. You know, one of the PMs responsible for analysis services, which is OLAP services for Microsoft, you know, back in the days. And he went on to, uh, to click and so on. But S-Base effectively goes on and on and on and, you know, and essentially at its core it seems to me like it's it's the same core technology the same classic technology um from when oracle first acquired it back in you know 10 years ago so 
Just Cameron, first of all, just explain what S-Space is for the audience who, who may be a little bit kind of younger than us and maybe haven't worked with OLAP servers. And, and just tell us, you know, why do you think it's endured so long? So what is S-Space and what does it do? And, and just at a high level, we'll drill into the detail later, but at a high level, why do you think we're still working with it and it's still popular now? So S-Space is an OLAP tool, OLAP for um, the young ones amongst us is online analytical processing. It's a multi-dimensional database. Uh, it's not a table. It's not a relational solution at all. Uh, it views data as intersections of dimensions, dimensions being descriptions of um, properties. So the, the classic one is you are a company that sells products. The concept of sales, the concept of an account or measures is one dimension. Uh, that company sells it across a geography. Geography is another dimension. It's the counties of England. It's the countries of the EU. It's the states in the United States that roll up into that. I live in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is part of the east. Uh, part of the United States, east rolls up the U.S. When I add up all the states in uh, the U.S., I have total U.S. sales. Uh, products might be another dimension. So it's this, it's this concept of intersections of data uh, that drive S-Base itself. It, it, it's a client-server product. It, it still is a client-server product uh, until its recent web webifying. It, it sat in a data center uh, somewhere in your organization or at a managed service provider. Uh, it is it is static. I, I mean, I, that, I think that's a very fair uh, comment about the tool. I, it, it has made me wonder, you know, why is this thing still here? Why am I still able to make a living off of it? It, it is because... Fundamentally, it is a, a very useful product. Uh, it is powerful enough that it can handle moderately large data sets. It is simple enough that you don't need to be a data scientist to do it. You don't need to be a hardcore programmer to do it. I, I would say that in the, the, the group, the small group of people globally that do S-Base, a, a handful of us are what I would call traditional programmers. Uh, the rest of us are some mix of business and some mix of technology probably trending more towards the functional side uh, than the technical side. So I think that's very different, Mark, from the kinds of guests you've had on before. That's why I don't understand most of the podcasts you give, although I do try. Um, it, it, it has it one. It's interesting that you view it as winning. I, I suppose when you're on the winning side, it, it doesn't seem that way. But um, I think it I think it won the OLAP wars. Uh, because it was easy to use, as I said before, you don't need to be a, a technician to to make it work. Uh, it was sold to power users, not to um, IT departments. I think that was a big part of it. I I am the you know the S base cliche. I started off with an S base server under my desk. Um, it was 1993. The memory was 256 megs. I, I think I figured out I could have bought like a mid sized Mercedes for the money that that memory cost. Um, just to show you how things have changed, but um, uh, that kind of revolutionary um, approach, where where IT was sidestepped, where the tool was something more than an access database, that was a big deal. Um, the other thing was that people like me could build applications much much faster than a product like Express could. For, for as an example, I was I was still. I worked for Johnson & Johnson. Uh, that is where I was exposed to, to S-Base. And I was at a subsidiary, and I had to build a P&L application, a profit and loss app. And they had they weren't convinced of S-Base. S-Base was this new and dangerous thing. And so they brought in a consultant to build the same application in Express. 
I, I was new to SBase. I built it in a week. I had it. I had it built in a week and validated. I was done. The the express guy thought I cheated. He thought that I must have come in before him and you know built it and didn't tell anybody it was you know a total setup to him. But that wasn't so. Um, that continued with Oracle. Just just jumping ahead a little bit, I was on a project I think in 2008, putting in a Hyperion planning implementation. So again, the budgeting layer that is wrapped around SBase. They had had um, Oracle Financial uh, Oracle Financial Analyst. Analysis. I think that's what the product was called. OFA is what everybody referred to it as. OFA. They couldn't maintain it. It was it was too techy. This was a finance group, and it was it was literally beyond them. Um, they own planning. They've owned it for ten years. Um, I don't go back. I, I would love to go back from a monetary perspective. They don't need me. Uh, planning planning and S space is simple enough that they can master it. A, a big part of mastering that tool in in one of the two storage engines, the the old storage engine, the legacy one is called block storage, BSL, block storage option. The language is like Excel. The language is not the same as Excel, but if you can write an Excel formula, you can write the S-base language, the BSO language into what we call talk scripts. Um, Again, this difference between, you know, well, you can't see me doing the air quotes with my fingers, but real programming and S-base. S-base, it's a text file. You can use it in a text editor and save it to the server. You can um, use one of the editors that the product provides and write the rule there. Simple to write, simple to test. That's a big deal. That's a big, big deal. So I think there was product productivity, product functionality that S-Base had. I think other tools probably had it as well. But it's, it's, it was successful. It won the OLAP wars because it stuck around. I think Hyperion bet big on it and didn't give up. Oracle, well, Oracle's so big, I don't know about betting big on it, but they they kept the faith and kept the tool around where other companies said, ah, you know, we're really not making any money on it or really this isn't where we want to go. You could call it inertia, you could call it vision, um, but S-Space has abided. And it it's, might be the last man standing because it's better. It might be the last man standing because Oracle's the only company that cares to do that. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what's interesting is that we're starting to get OLAP being rediscovered by the the big data generation. There are there are there are products out there that are built on, I suppose, kind of uh, Hadoop technology that are, that are starting to think about OLAP. And you've also got, I suppose, something that's happened with a lot of OLAP technology or OLAP use cases. It's gone to kind of in memory technology or even just relational. I mean, a lot of people don't really understand. You mentioned block storage there, and what, what, just maybe just explain a little bit what block storage is. And, and and why, I suppose in a way, why it was a particularly well suited for, I suppose, hierarchical aggregations and, um, and for example, planning and budgeting applications, this concept of being able to kind of insert data at any level and so on. Just paint a picture of what block storage technology is and, and, and for you know, the audience being people who, who probably aren't so aware of that, but are, are used to in memory or relational or whatever. How would you sell it? Okay. How would you sell it to people? How would, how would I sell it? Well, I, w- I would tell you that I don't think anybody would create block storage um, S-Base. And I'll explain the technology in a second today uh, because it, it was a workaround around memory limitations and um, size limitations and speed limitations that were valid in 1992 when S-Base was created and not today. But it exists today because, because of inertia, because it's in so many tools. Uh, what block storage is, is it looks at valid intersections of those dimensions. So I sell... I don't know. I sell coffee in Pennsylvania, but I don't sell tea because of 1776 and the, and the you know the hmm. the American Revolution. 
where it all went wrong. It all went wrong there, basically. When you start drinking <laughs> coffee instead of tea, that's why you lot are so, uh, so, so excitable, really. I, I have an electric tea kettle, too. We can, we can get real tea here as well. But oh, anyway, um, a, a constant criticism of America. Um, so the, the intersection of tea in the UK and coffee in America, data exists at those two combinations. I don't have tea in the US, so S-Base doesn't need to track that there is uh, there's this concept of there's a product called tea and this, this uh, geography called the US. So block storage data only stores intersections where data exists. That makes sense. It's got a pointer list, an index that goes off and points to it when it's either um, writing it or reading it. And that's sort of the trick. It doesn't need to think of all of the possible combinations. It only needs to think of the combinations that are there. What block storage also does, and again, this is sort of an artifact of its need to put things on disk instead of keeping them in memory because memory was so was so limited when it was designed, is upper level uh, combinations of data are also stored. So there is a longer aggregation time, taking those numbers and adding them up, doing whatever the math tells it to do. But when it comes to retrievals, S-Base only needs to pull in a small number of blocks to provide the answer if you're looking at an upper level uh, combination of data points. So that's that's the way BSO works. It 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 is adequate. It's certainly powerful. The language that's around it is quite powerful and is accessible to to business users, to power users. Then there's another data storage uh, model called ASO, aggregate storage option. That's an in-memory database. I mean, it, that's it's it's got all sorts of nuances around it. But I mean, data comes in at level zero, right? The the base data is there, and when you the user retrieve it or a tool retrieves it, it adds it up in memory. Now, there are some tricks around um, materializing aggregate views for performance, but that's optional, and it works in a very different way. It uses a bitmap index to get there. It's very different from the way BSO works. It, I sure wish they had one engine. It would make mm. life easier. It's, it's transparent to users. A, a person <coughs> looking at one database versus another in, in different technologies, don't know, don't care. That, that's great but it causes a fair amount of angst on the developer side. Which tool do we use? How do we do it here? Why isn't it the same? Et cetera, et cetera. So what was, what was, what was a hybrid then? I mean, hybrid came along fairly recently or certainly in the last few mm -hmm. years. Wasn't that an attempt mm -hmm. to try and combine the two types? It is. So uh, I think it's maybe two years old, might be a little bit older than that. Um, I, I don't know. I, I was so early on the beta, I, the, the dates no longer make sense to me or they no longer work for me. So it is, it is functionally, it is BSO at the bottom level. So it is stored intersections of data. And then this in-memory uh, calculation engine on top of that. The, the, the goal, I think, from Oracle's side was, was twofold. One, keep that, that traditional block storage option calculation script language uh, going and make it, make it at part of ASO, which, which ASO does not use. So the ASO databases MDX-based, right, multidimensional expressions, a totally different, arguably more powerful language, but one that, you know, makes makes people in the finance department lose their mind trying to trying to do it and maintain it and create it. Um, so they tried to bring the two together, keep the calculation power of BSO uh, available, throw on the in-memory aggregations that ASO does. I have used it, it um, in planning applications, and actually I presented on it this year at K-Scope with uh, Pete Nitschke from Empower in Australia. When you combine the two of them and do it intelligently, it's magic. A lot of the cons performance concerns that are around, you know, traditional BSO, they're gone. Uh, it, it is that fast. It does. It is now 
closer to what I think a modern architecture would be for an OLAP engine. Maybe it's okay. practically there. Okay. Okay. So, so I mean, as you say, airspace has been through. Although we said it hadn't, essentially, hadn't changed. It obviously it has changed over the years. And you mentioned ISO, which I, I got the impression that was a reaction to uh, OLAP services from 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 Microsoft at the time. Um, and, I mean, what, what did you think? I mean, we had Donald we had Donald Farmer on the show a little while ago, and Chris Webb, and they obviously singing the praises of analysis services. Yeah, what was your view on analysis services, and, and how did it kind of affect your world at the time? And do you think what do you think about the way they've gone towards tabular kind of storage? And you know, what, what's your view on analysis services, really? <coughs> I, I thought I, when I heard of it first, I thought it was going to own the world. I, I yes. just I just looked at it and said I have to learn this like really really mm. fast, or I'm going to be unemployed. And then it didn't happen. Um, I was amazed. I really was. I think architecturally, it was a very strong product. Um, it had it was integrated into every copy of SQL Server there ever was. At least it was a, a, a box you could tick on the install. Um, and so why didn't it succeed? Uh, and I, I, I think I think the reason is is the reason that SBase has has continued is it wasn't tied to applications when. Hyperion merged with Arbor, and it, strangely enough, the merger was actually Arbor acquiring Hyperion, but in the event, there was no one from Arbor that was actually running the company, it was actually Hyperion. I don't really understand the, the machinations behind that, but that's how it worked out. Hyperion very quickly said, we're an applications company. We're, we're, we, we do technology, we do software, but we don't build databases. And so they wrapped, <clears throat> they wrapped Hyperion planning around SBase. And then SBase had a, a reason to exist outside of a pure database um, view. Analysis services never seemed to do that. If, if there were sophisticated applications that used analysis services under the covers, I never saw them. And I, I think that's why it, it didn't win the war. Uh, I think on its merits, it probably should have. Mm, yeah, it was certainly, I mean, uh, it struck me as a very easy to use technology and it's very well distributed and it was very powerful and so on. But as you say, there were no applications there. And I think, I mean, looking at, say, another one, another for example, do you remember Holos? Do you remember Holos at the time? That, that was a mm -hmm. uh, around the same, I mean, I was working in at Mars at the time. I remember working on a Holos system there. And uh, I mean, what, what was your, did you ever come across that? Well, what was your view on, on, on that technology? No, no, I, I did not. I did not use it. Um, what I will say, though, uh, Again, it, it, I, think, I think I'm correct in saying that it was a pure database play, not uh, a database slash application uh, way of doing things. Is I, I worked with Comshare when I first got out of school. Um, we probably got out of school at the same time since we're practically the same age. And um, it was all it was a mainframe product called System W, and there was an element of a pure database. You, if you had an IBM mainframe, I, maybe it was on other machines, but IBM was the only place I saw it. You could do analytical databases, just like you can do analytical databases in SBase today or in analysis services. Um, that isn't where they sold it. I think that was their initial audience, their initial customer audience, but they went to executive information systems, BI before there was BI. And uh, that was where they made all their money. Uh, it was, again, that, that concept of an application wrapping around a technology and then having a strong message about what that application is. By the way, that, that's actually how I got into SBase. I worked for Johnson & Johnson. J&J was a huge Comshare um, customer. They, they tried and could not make the transition off of a mainframe or the mainframe. They licensed Arbor Software, Arbor being the company that created SBase. And for a while, they were the largest reseller of SBase. I, I thought for sure that Comshare was going to buy Arbor. 
um, they were so dependent on it. And then I don't know if you know the story about the lawsuit, uh, but the deal with Comshare was it's a read-only database. Your developers, your staff, your IT group, they can feed this application, the S-based databases that were powering the Comshare EIS tool. Decision, I think, was the name of the, the product. Um, but they couldn't use it in read-write fashion. And one of the things that BSOS-based, and again, we're, we're talking about the original engine, does really, really well, and why it's so successful within planning, is it's great at taking user users submitting data and then performing calculations on it and then viewing it at an aggregated and calculated uh, manner. They weren't allowed to do that. And some sales reps in Europe said, yeah, 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 that's what the license says, but you can do anything you want. And they could. The tool wasn't limited based on the license. Arbor found out and essentially sued them to oblivion. They, I'm sure, shortly after losing the lawsuit, was acquired several times. The product spun off and off and off. And oh. now they just don't exist. Um, don't don't yeah. lie. When it comes to product licenses, I think it's oh, the message definitely. that I can pick out of that one. Yeah. Yeah, definitely so so you must have i mean you must have looked on quite you know when you saw oracle and oracle olap um and and what they did with oracle olap after you know acquiring um uh express server from ioi you must have looked on and, and it, it with kind of part sort of schadenfreude and part kind of horror and part amusement at what oracle did with oracle olap in as much as they, i think they did a very interesting thing te technically in that they incorporated into the database but you know my view was always at the time they they built a product that had did, that didn't have a customer because they were building an olap server for dbas and dbas don't buy don't buy kind of olap servers um and, and this was something you know, we, we've, we've kind of covered this topic a little bit on the, on the on the podcast in the past but you must have it must that that schadenfreude and 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 amusement must have turned to slight horror when you when you heard that oracle were acquiring uh uh, uh hyperion what, what did you what, what did you think at the time what was your thought when you when you heard that oracle the big oracle were coming along and buying buying espace and buying hyperion well, were you pleased um, or were you pleased was I, I, actually i was um, I mean, first of all, I, I thought, well, they could be buying it just to kill it. Uh, so wait and see on that. There was there was no way to know. But I was a partner at the time. I was a Hyperion partner. And Hyperion veered between we love partners to we hate partners, I think, depending on how their stock price was going. They, they really couldn't decide if they were a software company um, that had a consulting arm or a consulting arm, you know, consulting company that had a software arm. Oracle's very different. Right, that's that's not Oracle's deal. There is a there is an Oracle Services group, but at least in the EPM world, at least in the S-based world, they're not a dominant force. Um, initially, there was no change. Uh, I, I guess Oracle always pauses before it digests whatever company it's acquired. It it, it just didn't change anything. Uh, it didn't go away, so I was happy. And then, as it became Oracleized. Um, I saw much, it's really funny, who, who would think that a gigantic company like that would be open? But I, I saw a total mind, sh mind shift in how the people that owned S-Base treated their customers and their partners. I, I've been very happy with it. I, I think amongst people that worked for Hyperion and then were acquired by Oracle, I think they had the greatest um, culture shock. Uh, I think Hyperion was a smallish company, big, but, you know, not big like Oracle. What is like that? Uh, I think they found becoming Oracle employees difficult. A lot of them left. A lot of them went to partners. A lot of them went to competitors. I guess that happens with any acquisition. Um, but I think they had a much harder time of it than customers did. Um, a much harder time of it than um, 
partners did. A comment about Oracle OLAP. You know, you said that the product was created almost by technologists for technologists. Where was the, who were the real people that were going to buy this? What, what that tool did was because it was, you know, talking about SBase's success, SBase was not tied to Oracle. It can read from Oracle. It can still, you know, go against tables and pull data in that way. But it was, it's never been a, a an Oracle-focused tool. Um, I've done probably more implementations using SQL Server than I have using using the Oracle DB. Um, it doesn't care. And that, I think, had a, a lot to do with the success as well, because companies like SAP couldn't look at the tool and say, well, you'll never work with us because you're from Oracle and it's tied to the Oracle database. And we don't use that or, or they're evil or whatever the reason is for one competitor going after another. S-Base kind of floated off to the side, too, too small to be crushed um, and useful enough to stick around. And a tool like Oracle OLAP, it was too, it, for everyone who wasn't an Oracle customer, it was too tightly, it was too closely tied to Oracle. Um, I think that's why it didn't succeed. Again, on the merits, I don't think it was a bad product at all, but no. that was a case of how it was marketed. Yeah, definitely. I, mean, I remember. I remember going to the the Hype. I think it was the Hyperion Solutions event in uh, in Nice uh, with Mike Darren actually from Oracle at the time. We went to there, and remember it was the most expensive taxi drive I've ever had in my life from Nice Airport to the to the hotel, actually, which was interesting. And um, but it was. I remember at the time it, 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 it was it was the first event. It was the first Hyperion event following the acquisition by Oracle. I remember seeing a few um, a few kind of Oracle a few Hyperion staff, including one. One, Oracle, one person who I knew from Oracle who worked on the Oracle OLAP team that had just joined Hyperion and, and was then facing the thought of going back to, to Oracle again. And it was, it was interesting. And about, what struck me particularly was two things. One was, like you say, the apprehension from people, you know, what's going to happen? Because I think a lot of people saw Oracle, rightly or wrongly, you know, driving, driving, um, driving Express into the ground, or certainly it was no longer as big a player in the market as S-Base. But also, um, it, it, was a, it was a strange technology as well. I remember looking at things like outlines and, and so on. And the technology you guys used was, was I suppose it was, it, was, it was written with the accountant in mind or the financial person in mind rather than the programmer, wasn't it? I think it was certainly, I think S-Space's sort of roots were more from the kind of the spreadsheet side. And I think for me, it was a product that was built for finance people, not for programmers. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that was key to success. It, when, yeah. when that product was new, the number of true believers, the number of evangelists amongst customers, amongst mm. fp you know, finance um, planning and administration guys, was huge. Um, they loved the product. It, again, it, it wasn't access. It wasn't waiting for IT to build a table and build a bunch of SQL queries for them so that they could look at numbers. Uh, they owned it. They understood spreadsheets. They understood Excel. Actually, initially, it was it was both Excel and 123. Um they understood the language, which was similar to Excel formulas. I guess you could argue with all the symbols it uses. Sometimes it, it was similar to one, two, three uh, formulas as well. And and that was, if you think about it, who who would buy a product like that? An IT department would never buy it. They say, is it relational? No. Is it from Oracle? No. Is it from SAP? No. Is it from Microsoft? No, at least initially. Um, they didn't want any part of it. Finance groups really didn't want any part of IT if they could help it. That, that sort of tension still exists today. And uh, off it went to the races. Um, it, it is a very different way of thinking about how to develop something than the traditional program review. That's why I said we, we don't have people like that. I, I could think of a handful of people that I personally know that are true you know, computer programmers, but they're absolutely the, the exception, not the rule. 
Yeah, yeah. So, so Oracle then took the product on, and and the the core, I suppose the core OLAP server has stayed constant. But there's been a lot of administrative and infrastructure additions over the years, and I think some of them some of them look like they came out of actually Hyperion's own thinking. So, some of the sort of the the, the dimension maintenance things I've seen, and and, and uh, EPMA and, and so on. But they're, they're, I suppose there's a lot's been added into S space over the years around infrastructure. And arguably, maybe for a certain point, maybe sort of like five years ago, it wasn't quite so easy to maintain. I mean, would you say that's true? Or, or, or what, what was Oracle's contribution oh. to it over the first few years, really, of, of, of things? They, they made it an enterprise tool. I, I mean, that's that they, and, and I mean, that, that changed everything. No one today, hardly anyone, no one, I think it's probably safe to say, has an S-based server sitting under his desk. I mean, it just really literally doesn't exist. Uh, people like me who are crazy enough to do blogging or do things for presentations, do I have a VM that has S-Base on it? Absolutely. Do I run anything other than the smallest databases in the world just that I build just for the purposes of talking about it? No. I mean, it's it's strictly a, really literally, it's a, it's a demo box that I can I can modify. It's sort of a running joke about infrastructure with um, S-Base and planning and all the other enterprise performance management tools that Oracle has. Um it's it's just really 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 hard which you may have noticed oracle has has you know chopped away um by going to the cloud by by getting rid of the complexity um i I, i'm positive there's not an oracle epm customer anywhere in the world that says we love oracle epm infrastructure work it's it's (laughs) pretty dire stuff but I guess um, but, it's necessary. I guess it's necessary, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you need. I suppose. I think it was. It was Donald Farmer actually. He was talking about how why he went to go to, to to click was because actually taking a product that's successful on the desktop and making it enterprise level is a hard task, isn't it? I mean, it's necessary, but actually, it's quite a hard thing to do, isn't it? Without losing that original, I suppose, kind of spirit of what the product was in the first place. Yes, and and that's absolutely like, like I said, that's absolutely gone. That that kind mm. of skunkworks approach to to S based doesn't exist and can't exist. Part of it's because it's mature. Part of it's because mm. there is a body of knowledge and practice around it. Um, but in part, the other part of it is that A, it's expensive, and B, it's, you, you're, it would be an extraordinary FP&A person that installed S-Base himself. I, I, I guess it's possible, but again, nah, not not particularly likely. Um, so Although yes, I suppose, that, that kind I suppose of cloud is, is gone. I suppose though cloud is is actually maybe the re reboot of that idea, isn't it? We'll get onto cloud later on, but certainly I remember sitting in a in a in a in an open world presentation a couple of years ago with Oracle talking about how cloud was almost the 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 the, the, you know, the, the reboot or the respin of running S space under your desk. I think that's true. I, I I do think that's true. It it takes all that complexity and makes it Oracle's, and not not the customers. That's a very powerful argument because again. I don't think there's any customer out there that likes it. Why would they? Why would why would that be something that they want to do? Um, okay, okay. I, well, we'll I hope to, that it we'll is the, cloud. the rebirth of that space. Yep. We'll get on to cloud in a bit. So, so just one other thing. I mean, just from, from before we get into kind of, I suppose, more more recent times. Um, so, the Hyperion user group scene. What was it like, and and how did that end oh, yeah. up morphing? How did that end up morphing into into being a big part of Odie's hug? What was the kind of story there, really? It's, it's, it's a really interesting uh, journey it took. So Hyperion Solutions was Hyperion, uh, Hyperion's conference that they ran every year. Kind of a it, It's kind of analogous to open world. There's some technical content. There's some business content. 
I thought there was an awful lot of sales content. And I, I actually got to the point where I would spend most of my conference time sitting in my hotel room working uh, because I really didn't want to see a sales pitch. Um, it was it was important enough for me to go there and to pay for it, but it wasn't enough important enough for me to actually attend much of the conference. It was very frustrating, very frustrating um, way of doing things. Or Hyperion had regional user groups. They were called hugs, Hyperion user groups. They were, some of them, you know, like anything, some of them were, were better run than others. They were funded in part by Hyperion. Uh, I went to uh, Hyperion user group meetings in New Jersey. They were in the North Jersey sales office. Uh, that's something that we would never see today with Oracle. So Hyperion kept control and influence over the user groups. And then Hyperion was acquired by Oracle and all of a sudden they all went away. Um, I don't know whether Oracle did that out of neglect or whether that was the plan, um, but all of a sudden the there was a vacuum for user groups um, that hadn't existed before. The, the story that I'm told was, uh, or I've heard was that Oracle had picked OAUG as the user group for Hyperion people Mike Riley, who was then president of OD Tug, um, looked at this, saw an opportunity, reached out to um, Tim Toe. Uh, I guess he's now an ACE director alumni and Edward Roski, uh, a fellow ACE director, and said, what can we do about this? And basically stole the Hyperion users um, and brought them into OD Tug. I was there. Um, it, I was there at the yeah. time. I was, on the, I was on the board at yeah. the time. I remember it all. Okay, you were on the board. Okay, so yeah, I, this yeah, part yeah. I did not actually see, but... I mean, what a brilliant, what a brilliant coup! He he reinvigorated um, OD Tug. He brought in, I guess, now it's about half. Maybe it's more mm. than half of the members are are EPM people, Hyperion people. Um, it's just utterly transformed what OD Tug does. OEUG still has a um, EPM and S base uh, component, but it's it's small. Uh, OEUG is huge to, to begin with, and I think EPM is sort of lost within. Um, within their conferences. Um, but, you know, I talked before about how OD Tug has really been transformative. It, it's been great. I, 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 again, when I, when I would go to Hyperion Solutions conferences, I would just roll my eyes and say, okay, I've got to work my way through this, but, you know, I'm doing this only because I have to, not because I want to. Mm. OD Tug is fun. Um, it, it, fun means a lot. Fun makes things yeah. worthwhile. Um, I, I've been incredibly happy with them. Yeah, and I, I would never have done things like writing writing books, being with you, mm. if it hadn't been for the big, you know, kick in the rear end that that very first kaleidoscope gave me when I finally was in a room with a bunch of technical people and said, "Wow, I I don't know nearly as much as I thought I did. I better I better up my game." Um, yeah, yeah. I remember ride. at the time. I remember at the time. I remember at the time that uh, that that. Uh, well, I think Edward came to us, and it was it was Edward Roski, you know, came to us and said that the, I suppose the Hyperion users were that without, without a user group, and um, and you know he brought them to OG Tug. And I remember at the time actually there was almost concern that it would be too overwhelming, in that there was so much energy and so much enthusiasm from the from the Hyperion um, kind of users that the, yeah it was almost a concern that that it would be two groups within one that wouldn't actually uh, I suppose integrate but it's been what's been interesting with with Kscope and OG Tug is how it has integrated there's a very distinct uh, Hyperion uh, I suppose community there and actually sub communities because there's space there's planning there's other things as well but it's not two groups within one it's it's it's, a, it's one big group and, and Edward's been a and yourself 
and Tim, Tim Tao, have been kind of really integral parts of the uh, of, of the user group going forward. So that's been you know, a real shot in the arm for OG Tug. Um, some fantastic conferences. I mean, I'm never one for doing singing and dancing, and, and some of the things I had to do. I think I was on the when I was on the board. I had to take part in some kind of quiz. I never never felt so uncomfortable as, as as doing that. But I think it's been it's been it's been. I think that was that uh, was that the Queen Mary was that the one where it was in Long Beach. I'm not sure, but it was. Uh, but it was definitely it was very interesting, and it certainly. I think what's been interesting, I guess, with the Hyperion uh, user community is how distinct and how vibrant it still is, even even to this day, really. Um, so, so that that's been that's been interesting. And but looking at what Oracle have done with the product since then, so I suppose in some areas things like planning and budgeting are still there, and you've got and we can talk about cloud in a bit there. What did you? What was your take on the use of S space within things like Oracle BI? And you know, in a way, looking at what was originally, um, I suppose, sales applications for. for space how well do you think that's gone really well um i i've always viewed hmm, i i've always viewed s base as this thing that's been tacked on top of obi i i never thought it integrated well i i thought this was something that oracle decided we have to do this and we're going to do it and off we go um in the field when i've worked with um what i'll call real bi or, or more pure bi companies they don't have a clue about S-Space. I, I mean, I get brought in to do projects where they, they say, yeah, we need this, but we don't know how to do it. We don't want to know how to do it, so please make it happen. Um, there are all sorts of interesting ways that OBI interacts with S-Space. There are people who is do that interesting, S-Space. Is that, interesting of, in, is that interesting the way that I say interesting, or is that interesting as in interesting? Interesting like as in the mind recoils in horror. That's how, how the product works. I guess that's the way you would use it, right? Yes. Um, yes, it, it is a very strange melding of the two products, and I don't think ultimately a very successful one. Um, what Again, what I've noticed about people who are BI practitioners is they just try to sidestep it and, and use it as little as possible. So that's that's one side, by the way, of how S-Base has been integrated in um, mm. into Oracle's products. I don't know if you know this. It, it's the reporting engine for Fusion GL. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, people may, people who run reports may not realize this, but there is a headless ASO S-based database that reports everything. Um, that's how you do analytical reports. That's how you do standard reports out of the GL. There is Gary Adeshek, um, a new Oracle Ace, has blogged about connecting to his company's Fusion GL using SmartView. Uh, SmartView being the, the add-in mm. that, S-Base uses within Excel and the Fusion GL uses and OBI uses and a whole bunch of other products. Um, I think he was as shocked as anybody else. He had no idea it was there. And all of a sudden, ta-da, he had, he had S-Base against the GL directly. So depending on the, you know, Oracle's not a stupid company. They, they, they're they mm. certainly capable of doing creative things. I think in the case of Fusion, it worked really well and has been seamless. And in the course of the BI product, not so much. Um, as to why they weren't able to do that, I don't know. I, I don't have any insight into it. But it's a tough, it's a tough thing to do. It. It's a tough thing mm-hmm. to do, isn't it? I mean, I think to try and fundamentally, I mean, my, my I mean, I, I, I must have presented for so many years on, on S-Base and OBI integration. And I've even got a video on YouTube of my son, uh, who was about, I don't know, eight at the time, introducing me at uh, Monterey on a, on a talk at K-Scope on S-Base and OBI integration. And it, I think fundamentally, they're just two different technologies. One's multidimensional, one's relational. And they're quite hard at the kind of the point at which you try to integrate them to bring them together in a, in a meaningful way. And there's been things over the years, 
I mean, recently, the last thing I saw was using S-Base in a headless way, using, um, I think it was hybrid storage as an acceleration layer. But then arguably, maybe an in-memory database is better for that. I think it was, I think it's been an interesting story, but I, I think I agree with you that I, I'm not necessarily sure it's been a success, really. Um, but um, I mean, what, what about, okay, so obviously planning is still there, HFM and so on. All the core things are still there. What about things like, things like epma and odi and so on i mean i suppose the the development side of things and loading data in and maintaining dimensions and so on how, how's that gone over the last few years i always found that a bit fragmented and a bit kind of half done really what's your view on that oh I, and space I would, studio I and so on right right i mean i would absolutely agree that they have a fragmented approach to this so epma enterprise performance management oh my goodness i've forgotten what the a is i want to say administration i think that's what it is was this, it was a very good idea, have a single place to do dimension management for all of the tools. Um, the execution has been troublesome. It, it really has, it's worked very well for HFM, HFM being the financial consolidation tool that doesn't actually use S-Base underneath it. There's a, a whole story there. Um, it works well for that product, but when other products, when planning applications and S-Base applications were loaded into it, I, 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 I've been on project where I, I just wanted to cry it, it was so incredibly hard to use. Um, and the crazy thing is these other products have their own, to the, to the point of fragmentation, these other products have their own ways of, of loading data and building dimensions and managing all of that. So if you are a company that owns HFM and planning and S-Base um, and other products like uh, strategic finance, you, you may try to make it work in EPMA. You may give up and despair and start using it across all three tools and have to have three skill sets and do all the things that go around managing metadata in that way. And then you go off and buy um, Oracle's um, data relationship management, DRM. I mean, that's that's nuts, right? That's hard. Um, they have still, the, the answer now is DRM. The answer is buy our very powerful and very expensive product and it will master and manage all of your metadata. And it actually does a pretty good job of that but it is not a standard part of the product and that fragmentation and those individual ways of still doing things um, persists. Studio, by the way, is an example of a just a brilliant idea that it's just kind of stalled. It, it is a way to build S-based databases off of Datamart star schemas. That's, it's just, that's it. That's, that's it in one line, but that's what it should do. I mean, that's how you should build these things unless you're building the most, you know, hand-built, hand-designed, Thing that isn't standard in any way, sort of the S-based server under the desk. But for your sales analysis applications, why are you managing metadata that way? Why are you building in S-based? They're called load rules, but they're they're mini DI to get a table or get a file and put it into a dimension. Why would you do that separately in an S-based administration tool? It, it sits in a table somewhere, doesn't it? Grab the table, build the application. Um, it has some traction, uh, but I don't, I don't see it very often. I think only bigger customers get it. Uh, that product, as far as I know, will never make it to the cloud. There will not be a cloud instance of, of S-Base Studio. That's too bad because it, it really, really has its place. So, yeah, it's, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting situation they find themselves in. Okay, okay. So we get into cloud in a second. One last thing was Exolytics. So Exolytics was 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 I, I famously I bought an Exolytic server and I, I think yes, you um, did. I, I, you I, I was to us too. well my, my my strategy at the time was was it was it was to basically to it, it, the competition either think we're either insane or incredibly successful 
either way it would be kind of it would it would worry them about competing with us so either we're, so either we were insane to spend 130,000 dollars or pounds at the time to buy one of these things or, or or doing very well and i think in practice it was it was more of a marketing thing for from our company that we we had one we used it for development we used it we won some work during it and so on but it was a terabyte of memory really for, for and, and and really it was actually exolytics of, sorry it was actually space in my mind that that was the product that did best on on exolytics it was a product out of all of them it was although it was designed exolytics was designed to be used with oracle bi it was actually space in my mind that seemed to get the traction with customers and get success you know what was your did you find that as well so ex, you know again interesting take take interesting the way you want <laughs> to I, I should i should first mention by the way to the audience mark you i was on a, i was doing a case scope presentation with a couple of other people and we needed to do some benchmarking against Exolytics and we, we cast about going, how would we do this? You offered it up. Um, mm. You oh, and Robin yeah. Moffat just, I, mm. I can't tell you how, how impressed I was by your generosity. Of course, yeah, in the event sorry. we found out that actually we could totally beat Exolytics with the commodity, <laughs> commodity hardware and then, you know, cast about like, how yeah. do we, how do we say, you know, your baby's ugly. We, we beat it with $14,000 worth of hardware, but that's, that's then, that's, this is now. Um, Exolytics, the, the problem Exolytics had and has with customers is, okay, now S-Base and its tools are um, enterprise class products. There are skeptical IT departments that say, really, you're going to make me pay all that money for a server? I can build a Linux box for a quarter of the price. Tell me why it's not as fast. And there are certainly use cases um, where where Exolytics is faster, where it has functions, features to S-Base that are only on, on Exolytics, not on um, commodity S-Base, commodity server S-Base. But I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's been the success that it could have been. Part of it was price. Part of it was the complexity of bringing into a customer. Part of it was the big customer only focus that the Exolytics team has or had and has. Um, Again, I, I, I thought that was going to be the future, and I was surprised when it didn't happen. Uh, maybe I'm too optimistic when I when I see technology announcements like this, but I, I thought for sure I'm going to be on a bunch of Exolytics projects. I never have been. It, it's not happened once. Okay. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, so, a small, I'm a small company, but I do get around, and I just have not seen it. So tell us about cloud then. So cloud is the, is, is another is another rebirth of S space really, and and I noticed that there was S space within Oracle Analytics cloud. So tell us a bit about S space is moving to the cloud. What is OAC and what's S space's role in this? So I mean, S space had to move to the cloud. It it it, it from a marketing perspective alone, it had to do it. Um, the, it's a platform as a service, so it is a server that you can touch. Bits of it you actually can poke about in, unlike you know the EPM, the Oracle EPM world. is It's all applications, and it's all software as a service. So everything's locked down. You can do what the application does. You get typically get one application per, per um, SaaS uh, instance, and that's it. S-based cloud, it's a platform, as many databases as your CPUs and uh, disk space and memory can can manage. Um, it gets rid of that complexity that a true enterprise product has, like the, the on-premises S-Base. It is, for the longest time, I thought it was going to, I thought, many people thought it was going to be a tool all on its own. It is actually part of OAC, Oracle Analytics Cloud. Um, depending on the version of OAC, it is either 
um, one half of the tool where it's it's SBase on one side as the, the the database engine and data visualizer on the other. Uh, that's I, I believe that's the standard product OAC standard, and then there's OAC Enterprise. It throws in BIX. Um, you know, when you talk about a rebirth, the data visualizer data visualizer is kind of philosophically a a user-driven tool. It isn't just philosophically, it is a user-driven tool. That is the kind of the ethos that SBase had in the beginning. I think that's a, a large part of what Oracle hopes to capture with, with SBase in the cloud. Um, they have added features to it. There, there are, just like Axolytics has functions and features that are not in commodity SBase, so too um, does SBase Cloud beyond what's in Axolytics. Um, I would I would argue that cloud, just like with the other cloud, other Oracle products, cloud is where all of the development is going to happen in future. It's happening there today, and it, I don't see that changing in the near future. Um, in S-Base Cloud, I'll, I'll call it S-Base Cloud, but it really, the product really is OAC. Um, they have, Oracle have tried to simplify the building of applications and databases so you can take what they call unstructured data, but it's a, a workbook with columns that represent version, you know, uh, regions of the country, regions of the world, products, and it, it, it can intelligently figure this all out and build a database. Um, in essence, it is like Power BI. It strikes me as very Power BI-ish. Um, I don't know if it does as good of a job as Power BI, um, but it is certainly their attempt to, to make it happen. You can build S-based databases directly from Excel itself. So putting aside the unstructured data concept, uh, the thing, the, the low rules, the, the definitions of dimensions, the definition of the application, which has historically been done through um, the, the S-based administration services console, um, can be done directly in Excel and just uploaded into the cloud and ta-da, you now have a dimension, you now have data, uh, et cetera. I think that's powerful. I think it's a powerful idea. I think in execution, it means that developers have to be able to sort of build a dimension in their head um, because that's how it works. The, the interactivity is all around creating these workbooks for upload to S-Base Cloud, um, but it isn't actually about managing the workbooks themselves, about building the actual content of the workbooks. We'll see where that goes. If, if Oracle can put that dimension editor into Excel itself to, to make it a Windows application again, I, I think that'll be huge. I, I think that will bring the power of, it'll merge the power of Excel and all the things that you can do in Excel to data and metadata and allow people to, allow developers and, and power users to see what that looks like and then build it for real in S-Base. Um, that kind of flexibility, again, comes back to the, the rebirth of, of S-Base and a return to its roots. Currently, the way the product works as of the 26th of July, 2017, um, there are no good dimension editors. I, I know that that is their number one priority to, to get that in there. Today, I would say that building a complicated application in S-Base Cloud is gonna be a challenge. Um, it doesn't handle dimension building well today because there really is no way to view it. There's no way to view it in Excel where there's a, a very simple tree view of it. And there's really no way to see it in the cloud. Yeah, you can drill up and down um, dimensions in a very cumbersome way, but the, the traditional tree view that we've, we're used to, tree view controls that we're used to seeing dimensions in doesn't exist in the cloud. So it, it, it's something they, they are aware of in terms of a weakness. Um, 
and I'm, I'm anxious to see them fix the problem. They will. They have to. There really is no choice. Okay. Okay. So who 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 is the the user persona that this is aimed at? Then do you think? And what is the problem it solves that couldn't be solved by something else? In in your view, I mean that's a classic kind of product management kind of question. But who is this mm-hmm. really aimed at? Really, do you think? I I I think really really it's aimed at existing S based customers. I think it's it, you know I said before that the Oracle had to put this into the cloud. Well, why do they have to pull it into the cloud? Because the rest of their products are there. So, you know, inevitably, S-Base must, must follow along like everything else that, that Oracle does. Um, I think truly net new customers for S-Base will, will only be driven by Data Visualizer. I, I think they'll have a very hard time seeing why S-Base um, when there are so many other options. Uh, out there in the world today. It's not that S-Base is a bad product. It's not that it is, you know, diminished in its value. There are lots of other options today that weren't there when, when S-Base was born. Um, and I think their job of selling it is, is to, to people that have, to customers that do not already have S-Base and on-premises, I think it's going to be a very hard sell. They, they certainly have their work uh, before them to make that happen. From, a, um, from an existing on-premises customer perspective, if the whole industry is being pushed to the cloud, um, if development and on-premises S space is static, uh, there is there is no real there is no real uh, development except except patch upgrades. What other choice does a customer have? Um, they're they're sort of forced into that role. Okay. Okay. What about what about the more what about things like EPM and and planning and budgeting and and and, and those tools? I mean, I, I, I presume they've been taken care of in a separate line of products, really, in the cloud. They have been. Yeah. I mean, not only do they have this this service uh, versus platform um, philosophy, but the development for Sbase has forked. Um, there is the BI owned Sbase. That's Sbase Cloud. That is actually where you to buy. Where you persisted enough to buy on-premises S-Base, um, beyond the fact that you know on-premises software and the EPM and S-Base space is not actually being sold, you have to go out and buy it yourself on shop.oracle.com or whatever the name of that website mm-hmm. is. Um, that's owned by the BI team. That's not owned by EPM. And so this stuff that all the, these new functions, full full hybrid in um, S-Base Cloud, uh, sandboxing. Um, we're going to have a real debugger. We, we, we almost have it. We actually do have it in, in S-Base Cloud. A, a real honest-to-goodness debugger that lets us look at numbers that we don't have to split out onto a thousand sheets to, to trace the, the, the lineage of data through a, through a calculation. That's, that's, that's cloud. That's S-Base Cloud. That's not EPM Cloud. How Oracle, what Oracle will bring across from the S-Base side into the S-Base that's under EPM and when they'll do it, I, I think that's a, a, a that's to be seen. Um, I can certainly see th- some things not coming across because they're direct competitors. Um, Hyperion Planning, PBCS, Planning Budgeting Cloud Service, has this concept of sandboxing. So does S-Base Cloud. They're not the same. They're not handled the same way. The EPM guys had a problem. S-Base wasn't going to solve it, so they've done all sorts of wonderful stuff in planning uh, to make that occur. The S-Base team came along later and they said, yeah, we don't, I, I assume this is what they said. They said, yeah, that's wonderful for them, but that's not what we need. So we're going to do it our own way. Will the two of them ever exist? Will 
applications that get migrated from S-based to planning have to be partially rewritten? I mean, I think the answer is no and yes. They, they're, that's never going to come across. Um, and yeah, it's going to cause uh, a bit of pain when it comes to a conversion if, if that conversion happens. Okay. Okay. So what's it like being an S-based developer now? What's it like being a partner, an S-based developer, and an S-based expert? Certainly, from my experience uh, with the move to the cloud, it's, it's brought its own challenges, for example. Um, you know, what's it like now trying to be, continue to be an S-based developer and expert in the world of the cloud? You know, to, to say that the cloud is disruptive, uh, particularly on the, the developer and partner side, is to vastly understate what what's happened. Projects have become short, um, probably incorrectly so. Uh, the, the t- particularly, pl- I'm thinking primarily around planning. Mm. The development time in cloud and the development time in on-premises is roughly the same. That's fine. The infrastructure work that, again, nobody, no customer ever, ever in the world ever wanted to own, that's gone. That's good. That that bit of pain is is out of the way. That's Oracle's um, problem and, and expertise now. But the way the products have been sold is, I think the sales reps heard six weeks to develop, and that comes across as six weeks to implement. The design issues, the requirements issues, the integration, the data integration bits that's all the same and it doesn't happen in six weeks when you throw in the actual development of the databases themselves so there has been a lot of difficulty for partners in particular to adapt to this there's been a lot of how do you how do you tell a customer who's bought the product and thinks that it's going to happen in six weeks that yeah it's actually more like three months Um, that's a very difficult message for the person that owns the implementation on the on the customer side to take back to his his management and say, I goofed. Please triple the amount of money that we're going to put into this or quadruple the amount of money we're going to put into this project from a consulting side. So it's it's been a challenge. It's been a real, real challenge. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to harp anymore about partners, but one other thing. Partners are going out of business. Partners are selling themselves. Partners are doing massive layoffs. Um, I, I can think of some companies that I know that have had 50% layoffs amongst um, application developers. So cloud makes things hard. <laughs> cloud is, has not been a panacea um, from from being somebody like me. Um, we'll, we'll see how it goes in the future. Um, I, I hope that Oracle, with Oracle's announcement that there will be a future for on-premises, um, S-Base and planning and HFM, uh, even though it comes out in a year and a half, I hope that brings some stability to what we do. Um, but again, we'll see. That's all on the business side of it, right? That's all on the permanence and space developer side. Of it. Let's talk about the product. In the EPM space, they are throwing, I don't want to say millions, but they're, they're throwing a lot of money at those tools. They are mm. moving by leaps and bounds. They, they bring in, this is, this is the promise of cloud, right? They've got mm. one image to develop for. They've got this, mm. this Linux VM that they build and they just throw it out there on whatever the enterprise version of VirtualBox is. I, I sometimes I'm overwhelmed. This is a product that moved very, very slowly, and then there were big, big releases, and it took mm. a year before everyone was on that release. Now the thing changes every other month. Um, I think from a development perspective, the the product management development teams they've been the shackles are off, mm. and they're 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 doing great stuff. So there's this really weird you know dynamic going on here. The product's literally getting better and better, faster than it ever has before. You can do 
as a developer, you can do things that were never possible before. They've integrated Groovy into um, mm. the planning, the PBCS side of things, the EPBCS side of things. That's that's not anywhere on the on-premises world. Will it ever come to on-premises? I don't even know if it'll come in the, the what I imagine is the final release of on-premises planning in SBase. Um, colossal, fantastic, great. We're, we're going to do really cool stuff. And yet we, we have to do this in six weeks. So I don't know where that's going to go. Um, it is certainly tumultuous. Um, okay. May you live in interesting times is the, the cliche, right? Yeah. So both you and I are, are Oracle Aces. How, how, have you found, how have you found, I suppose, the ACE program recently? And how have you found things like actual, actual, actual access to software as well? I mean, one of the things I found quite hard with keeping abreast of things like kind of BIX and, 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 and RAC and so on is, is getting access to software. But I've not been so active in that in that space recently i mean is it is you know how have you found i suppose the advocacy side and getting access to software and so on yeah so the ace program as a concept is brilliant i mean what did napoleon say with such bubbles men are led um i i I very much so that sounds like i took a dig at the the program i'm not i mean the, the concept of having an honorific like that being something that many, many people want very, very badly mm. and will do what it takes to happen. That's brilliant. I, I, I just, I, whoever thought that up, that was a fantastic idea. I hope you got a, a promotion out of it. Um, it's changed. I, I, I'm sure you're aware of the, the, the changes that have happened to this move to a, a point-based system where you have to, you, the ace, have to perform certain acts and get to a certain I mean, score, almost yeah. like a video game, that, to, that, to that, retain that your, your title. Put me off a little bit, actually. That put that and I, I, must, I, I, must, I put me off, and it, and also this is the first year I'm not going to open world because I th- you know because I'm not speaking this year, and, and so therefore you don't get to go to the the briefing. And, and right. I get that. I get the budgets are cut and so on, but that that was an interesting change. Yeah, I I think it went from being an advocacy and uh, evangelism um, model. And, and focus to one being marketing based. And I, I put me off as one way of putting it. I, I found it really annoying and disappointing that that was the, the, the direction the program has taken. It's their program. They, they can, you know, Oracle can do with it as they like, but they've, they've lost, by doing so, they've lost some of the power of the program. And I, I think there are now people that are very purposely doing things because that's it's it's exactly what they need to either stay in a program stay at a level stay in the program itself or get to the next level i don't know maybe maybe having some structure around that is good it doesn't seem as special to me as it once did um when it comes to going to open world uh that's that's sort of a mixed blessing and not going that's a crazy place right that's just like insanity for a week um I, I think I came out of those between the two days of the ACE director briefing beforehand, the, the weekend, and then the week itself. I think it's worse than, from a, from a recovery perspective, I think it's worse than K-Scope. And I, I have, I get about two hours a night sleep at K-Scope. So you can imagine what open world is like. Um, so yes, I'll miss the excitement. Um, no, I won't miss the madness, but you know, maybe that is the sign of a good conference. But in terms of so for the audience that doesn't know this, there was a program, there may still be a program where Oracle said, yep, you're ACE directors, we want you to have access to these tools. So they set up these trial programs, which was great if it was something that you did, but EPM, S-Base is so tiny, there, there was no way for us to get pods. There, the pods were not available. 
Um, and so I looked at it and said, that's fantastic for other people, but I don't care uh, because they're not getting me access to anything. It is a challenge for developers. It's certainly a challenge for independent developers. Um, you basically beg, borrow, and steal access on other people's servers. Sometimes Oracle, you know, this magical hand comes out of the sky and Cameron, you have it for the next 45 days. Do what you want. And off I go and, and try to blog about it and learn about it. But that's very much the exception and not the rule. Yeah, yeah definitely. He's, definitely. He's, I mean, he's, yeah. Definitely. I mean, it's, certainly for me, I mean, I've never had problems getting access to things. And even now, even I'm not so involved in, in, in that world at this moment, but I, I can always ring up somebody. I can always email somebody and I'll get access to anything really. Um, but I think that it's, it's, I think it's hard being an, uh, an OLAP or S-based developer and a BI developer in the cloud world. And I think unless you work for a partner or unless you work for um, uh, a company implementing this, it's not quite as easy as it used to be. Um, to, to, I mean, something I put forward as an idea a while ago was, was some kind of um, ACE director um, cloud program where we paid, we paid some money. We paid $100, $200 a year to get access to these, this, this software on a kind of trial basis to cover the actual real costs that Oracle would have in, in, in scaling this up and, and providing it. But, you know, made it possible to access things. And, but I think, I, I guess one of the kind of fundamental things is, is that Oracle are a cloud company now and, and they want... They want uh, uh, advocates and they want experts to be focusing on cloud. And you know, if if uh, if if that means that people who are more comfortable on premise, which was me and a while ago, and, and, and you maybe at some point and so on, that, you know, they, they don't want that as, as advocates now. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's about using the budget in a way that they can use effectively, and, and so on. And it's, it, I guess, the thing I'd most want is access to the software, access to to Bix, to OAC, and so on. Without that, that's the major kind of issue for me, really. But but I think you know, the fact is the ACE program is still there. The people behind it, we know their intentions are good and so on as well. But it's been hard to maintain that level of expertise, I think, for me over the last couple of years with it being so hard to access the cloud software. Totally agreed. I mean, the, historically, uh, you went to OTN, downloaded the on-premises software onto your server. And so long as you were using it for non-commercial use, do whatever you like. And I mean, you know, I would never be able to write the things that I write and do the things that I do if I didn't have access to software that way. I, I completely understand your your frustration with how do I get access to OAC if I am not a company that can afford, you know, even the discounted version of OAC. It's it's pretty expensive. It's certainly a heck of a lot more expensive than a laptop with a lot of memory and a VM, um, which is the way I've done my SBA stuff in the past for when I write a blog or teach myself how to do something. So it, it is different. Um, and it, it would be fantastic if there was some way for us to get access to it, maybe just the cost. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe there would be some sort of group way of doing it. I mean, there, there has to be something. What happens in the partner world is they spend a lot of money. I mean, it's, it's just as simple as that. They get a discounted price. I don't really know what the discounted price is because I don't, I don't buy this stuff. But they, in talking to my, my fellow consultants at other companies, they have sign-up sheets. You know, hi, my name is Cameron. I'm working on a planning application or I need to write a presentation. I'm booking the, the, our, our PBCS instance for two days. Um, that's, that's a, yeah, it's a very strange way of doing things for compared to the way it used to work with on-premises. So I, I think, um, I think it's, it's a temper. I think I, in practice, I think this is something that's more, it, it says more about the, the kind of, I suppose the state, the stage Oracle at with these products, 
<coughs> excuse me um in in that i think there is limited availability in time it's going to get it's going to get better but certainly it's a challenge i think now um let's kind of move on a bit because I, I, i'm conscious that it's the summer special and we're sitting on the beach at the moment or actually in the campsite um for yourself and um yeah just just for a laugh i just think it'd be interesting to kind of to to, to yeah have a couple of kind of end end the show with a couple of summer and fall themes really and and one of the things i thought would be interesting would be to um to think about what you'll be re- reading over the summer. I mean, typically for me, I tend to take away a few articles, a few books, a few white papers, and surreptitiously read those by the uh, by, by the poolside and pretend I'm reading something kind of not interesting and not technical and actually read this in, in, instead. You know, for you, Cameron, I understand you like going camping. Is that correct? It's true. I'm, I'm sort of a bit fanatical about it. Camping and hiking are my, at least currently, are my two big hobbies. Fantastic. Um, so, yeah, so yeah, wouldn't wouldn't be by the beach. I wouldn't be by the poolside, yeah. but it would be in a camp somewhere. Um, okay. So, what would you be reading? Then? So, what would you once once you put the tent up? What would your three things you've been reading then over the uh, summer be? Then give us give us an idea. Of so, that. so I'm a I'm a, a history buff. Um, I could have been a history professor, except I didn't have the nerve to to actually do it. But I still read the books. I have a an old book called Popsky's Private Army. Um, it is. Uh, the memoir of uh, a guy in the British Army that was sort of the, the analog of the Long Range Desert Group, um, but but different, uh, much more active than them. So I guess the, the kind of current mania for special forces, he was one of the first groups like that. It's interesting because it's a, it's a compelling story. But what I find most interesting about this particular author, Vladimir uh, Penikoff, I'm sure I've pronounced that incorrectly, um, he fights with his brain. Um, and I guess as someone who likes to pretend that I'm sort of smart, I find that much more interesting, um, a much more interesting way of, of looking at life. Um, I'm also reading a book. I'm actually currently in the middle of this one by um, Richard Feynman called Surely You're Joking, Mr. Feynman. Uh, this yeah, is his yeah, first. good. Yeah, good. you yes. read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. brilliant. Um, again, you know, this is this is a, a person of intellect and, and of mind. And I, I, if I'm not as smart as that, at least I can read about it and, and try to be, um, try to follow what they do. And then the last book is sort of a guide. Um, it's called 60 Hikes Within 60 Miles, uh, the Philadelphia Region uh, Edition. So I love planning for these things. Um, I love kind of anticipating and mapping out what I'm going to do in a hike. Uh, hiking for me, camping for me, is where I, uh, maybe unlike you, this is where I completely turn off. And I, I don't <laughs> bring a laptop with me. And with luck, my cell phone doesn't have a signal. My mobile's inoperable. And I just relax. And I exercise. The, the two of them combined mm. is just vital to my mental well-being, um, which is tough because it's very difficult to do that in the northeast of uh, the U.S. It's cold. It's you know rainy and snowy and icy. Mm. Um, but yep, yep. With luck, I'll get through all three of these books. Fantastic. So you're so you're not someone then who takes uh, you know your phone with you. You don't take kind of Wi-Fi with you and so on. Really, you tend to go back to basics. Really, when you're when you're camping. Oh yeah, rustic camping, primitive camping, whatever whatever you like to call it. Water, I mean, even water, I, I've got enough fancy filters to drink right out of streams without any you know issues about health. So yeah, so the real deal. Yep. Fantastic, yep. fantastic. Okay, so another a similar sort of topic, really. You know, looking forward. So you have got the summer, which is nice, and I think you know we're all looking forward to. I'm actually going to uh, the west coast in a few weeks. I'm in fact, funny enough. 
I'm going to the uh, the hotel uh, that K-Scope was at this year. So I'm going to uh, the JW Marriott, first of all, because we were gonna, we, I was going to go originally to K-Scope this year. And um, my son, apart from obviously working, and, and, and I'm not necessarily working in the area at the moment, my son had his, uh, his exams this year. So we said to him, actually, rather than take him, take him out of school, we would go, actually go to the JW Marriott in San Antonio, in in August, so apparently it'd be quite hot though, which should be interesting. But we're actually then going I, I, I up to imagine so. Yes. But then we're going over to Seattle and getting an RV and going on the West Coast and, and spending um, two or th- two weeks actually travelling around there in an RV and uh, not necessarily back to basics with like you are, but but certainly out in the country and, and, and doing that. And I'll, so I'll be over there actually at some point as well, um, which should be nice. Very nice. But, but look, at, you're doing yeah. the. The classic American road vacation. Um, exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. So I'm hoping to get an RV the size of a tour bus as well, which would be kind of good. But but looking forward to that. <laughs> so past that, so we've got the summer, then we've got open world, we've got the conference season, and 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 you know what you guys call the fall, but actually correctly is, is autumn. Um, uh, what, what do you think? If you had to cast your mind forward to maybe a couple of predictions, what's gonna? What do you think will be announced at open world? What do you think will be the next major things that will be announced in our world? That you, you know, if you had to kind of be a betting man, what would you predict would be some interesting? announcements and, and, and product developments over the uh, next few months I, the, the march to cloud will continue i mean I, I, there's nothing extraordinary about that statement I, I think it's intensifying i think it will continue to disrupt the market both on the you know again selfishly on the partner side uh, but on the customer side as well uh, i i i sometimes wonder about the traction that oracle's getting with these products uh, there are the numbers and i i don't have any reason to disbelieve those numbers, but then there is the reality where there are a lot of customers that have not switched. Um, the It's surprising, let's just put it this way. Again, this is one of my, I, I guess, sort of a series of, I thought it would be this way, but it's not. Mm. Um, it, it's, it's occurring again. However, I think that Oracle's drive to the cloud, the way they're bringing functionality to cloud products that they're not doing at all for on-premises, absolutely going to see that again and again and again. If I were to think particularly within, you know, the, the I'll call it the BI space and the, the EPM space, mm. the, the buzzword right now is machine learning, right? Machine learning mm. this, machine learning that. When I, when I ask people, and, and how, how does that relate to what we do? I always receive a different answer. Um, so yes, there, I suppose there's, a, there's an element of hype to that. Having said that, it, it is a compelling concept and I can definitely see where this, this, programmatic analysis of data drive, to, to truly drive decisions and to make the decisions, um, I can absolutely see that impacting what we do. Um, will machine learning need to use S-Space? I don't know. I don't know that it will. Maybe. Um, it will be fascinating to to watch how that plays out, whether it really, really is just a flash in the pan or, or truly the future. I, I tend to think it truly is the future. Um, again, yeah. we'll see. I won't be going to open world, so I won't know, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep tabs on it. Um, virtually at least okay okay and one last thing really is where's k-scope going to be next year i've heard it's going to be in florida it is going to be in florida it's going to be in the same places that the high korean solutions conferences were every other year it's a disney world um yes yes so for people who bring their children to conferences uh so long as it doesn't interfere with school exams or um Mm. yeah that sort of thing I, i think there'll be lots and lots of families there as they were this year in San Antonio, um, yeah. with with the you know the, the pool resort that's there. But yes, it's it's going to be there. I, I will tell you that I was on the board when the decision was made to to go with that. I'd been there so many years. Um, 
as part of Hyperion, you know, part of the Hyperion Solutions conferences, I was a little nonplussed, but I have been assured that things have gotten better. It's a much nicer hotel than it was 10 plus years ago. Um, and then Casebook will do its, its OD Tug will do its normal fantastic job um, and make it just a special conference. I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. I remember going to the I remember going to the IOUG, the Collaborate conference that was there, and they hired out. They had the Universal Studios was hired out for the evening, and we could go there and get a go on all the rides with no queues there. I mean, that was that was that was interesting. But just particularly going to Disneyland is fantastic, really. And um, yeah, I mean, I think actually, to be honest, I'll be there next year. I think it'll be really interesting to go. So uh, I'm look, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. My kids are just about just about young enough to go and uh, and still enjoy it i think really you know i think mm-hmm. i think this is probably the last year we could do it really so it's fantastic timing great great i'm glad to hear Fant- that fantastic well look cameron it's been really really good speaking to you fantastic speaking to you thank you very much for for coming on and taking part also in the summer special bit at the end there um thank you very much and um have a good evening and it's been it's been great to chat to you again it's it's very much been my pleasure mark thank you for, for having me cheers thanks cameron 